This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason LaConfora and Brian Baldinger as well, guys. We bring it to you each and every week. Glad to have you back as we count down to the end of the season. We're approaching week 14, but it's time to look back at week 13 with my man Jason Lock on 4 and see what we missed on and maybe what we learned from week 13. So, Jason, I want to start with what we saw last night. I'm watching this game, bro, and it's it's sure. brutal. Let me be – I mean, it's just like they can't move the football. Brady looks eh. – yeah. And then all of a sudden, Brady yeah. becomes Brady in the fourth quarter. And I'll be honest with you, I tuned out because I thought the Saints had this thing wrapped. The way the offense had looked, and just to give you an example, Brady in the previous eight drives before those two drives in the fourth quarter, they had a total of 143 yards. I think they had a total of 156 in those two drives at the end of the game to not only tie it up but then to take the lead. So what does this mean for Tampa? Because, Jason, I'm still not looking at them as a team to be a Super Bowl contender. No. No, that whole division just looks really awful. You know, you look at their scoring differentials. You look at their net touchdown differentials for teams in that division. It's it's far away, the worst division in football. And there aren't a whole lot of signature wins for teams outside that division. Like Carolina's signature win, you know, is probably beating Tampa, right? Like mm. you, you look at sort of like who's done what. It's not a whole lot of there there. Huge game, though, for the Tampa Bay Bucs. I mean, if you're a Tampa Bay Bucs fan, that defense and Tom Brady saved the season last night. Um, You're right, though. I mean, it was a whole lot of passes going nowhere. It was a lot of dink and dunk. Um, You know, I think the running game is not, by any stretch of the imagination, good. Like, was it marginally better in this game with White and Fournette than it's been most of the year? I guess. But – they got a couple of critical stops and, and and kept New Orleans from taking any time off the clock. And then the GOAT, you know, the GOAT did his thing. Uh, it's a really tough template to replicate, don't you think? Like, that's a – like, if this is their road to beating bad teams, you know what I mean? That happened in January when you've got to beat four straight good teams, you know, and where you get a home game because you won that crappy division. But let's face it, you're going to be the underdog every game you play outside of your division for the most part from here on out. Um, 
So I just think it, it, you know, they're they're a flawed team, and they'll get their left tackle back. You know, that'll help a little bit. They'll get a little healthier in the secondary, at least they should. I, I guess that helps a little bit, but the offense is broken. You know, yeah. And, and Brady does his thing at the end of games in desperation mode, but man, there's not a whole lot they can bank on right now. You know, they can't bank. They can't bank on Mike Evans in the red zone. You know what I mean? Like they. They can't bank off Lenny. They can't bank on Godwin and Miller on the deep ball because that stuff has been way off, you know? And those guys seem like they're not in the same area code. Hats off. It was a gutsy win. They had to hold serve at home. They found a way to do it. But I don't think this flies in the postseason. I don't either. And and by the way, Dennis Allen, I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat, but – Listen, it just tells you how brilliant Sean Payton was with the, yeah. the the players they had there once Drew Brees was done and they're still winning and they're still, you know, an offensive juggernaut and they're finding ways to score and and this whole Taysom Hill thing, you know, that, that's all Sean Payton, right? I mean, he created that monster. Yeah. But you see yeah. how this team is played. Defensively, they're still good. Offensively, they suck. And you look at Dennis Allen taking yeah. this team over. I'm just saying, for Saints fans – this is what we've been talking about for a long time. Once Peyton was gone and once Breeze was gone, what was this thing going to look like? And you see it now. So, you know, they, they got some work to do. Their aging stars on defense are getting older. Cam Jordan's a beast. But, uh, you know, yep. that, that window of them trying to get to the Super Bowl, those last four years or so, you know, the, we're going back two seasons ago, where they got there. all Every year it seemed like they were right on the cusp, and then they didn't get there. It's done. Uh, the, the Saints now, they, they've got to find a quarterback. They've well, got and, issues all across the board. Well, the Eagles are holding their first-round pick, and they didn't <laughs> unload at the trade deadline because Mickey Loomis is saying, well, wait a minute, nobody in this division is that good. You know, we've still got a chance, but guess what? There's a lot of GMs waiting to pick at the carcass of that roster because in the offseason when there is no trade deadline and there's no rush to try to get that guy to win a game this week because I don't play a game for six months, they're just going to wait for the Saints to have to cut these guys. And there's going to be a purge because of the way their contracts are structured, the way they've kept kicking the can down the road with the cap, um, even with the cap going up again next year. Uh, numerous GMs and cap guys have told me that that team will have to be gutted. It is in the huddle. Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four. I want to talk about the Jets because the Vikings beat the Jets. It's a hell of a game. It was a great game on Sunday. Yes, it was. I, I think Mike White, throwing for 369, Garrett Wilson, we're seeing his, you know, this is the coming out of like, wow, oh, he yeah. is as, as good as we thought he was, 162 receiving. And you look at this Jets team, Jason, and you go, why can't Zach Wilson do what I'm seeing Mike wow. White do? And and if he was able to do that, then you'd have a lot more confidence. But Mike White has taken this job and he's running with it. Now they lose, but I was still impressed with what the Jets did on Sunday. No doubt. Um, that game could have got out of hand. The defense, once Minnesota hit 20 points, it, they they held them there for a long while. The problem for the Jets was they were chasing the game with field goals and not touchdowns. <clears throat> you know, they needed they needed one, one more completion, one more winning play in the red zone, and they win that football game. It just wasn't there. Um, Berrios, I thought, was going to hold on to that ball. He mm. didn't. Uh, so they, they, they definitely have work to do in the red zone. Um, no doubt about that. But the defense is legit. You know, Sauce against Jefferson lived up to the hype. And, and you knew, like, Jefferson's going to get his. But Jefferson wasn't going to go off. 
And he didn't. You know what I mean? Hawkinson wasn't going to go off. It was going to be a game where you're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook, and, and that was the case. And, yeah, look, should the Jets have won that game? That They, they should have. Um, you know, will Mike White learn and grow from that? And, and, and you know, can LaFleur craft some things or find some things in the red zone? Um, the, the, the Brees Hall injury, I think, really is stinging them now because they've got a better quarterback in place, but the run game – you know, it's kind of, yeah. yeah, it's kind of fits and starts. Um, but they're a really interesting team. They're not going to just fall off the map. Uh, they've got a big game with Buffalo this week. I mean, that number's approaching 10. Seems kind of high for me for a divisional game with the kind of defense the Jets play and with the Bills' offense not exactly firing on all cylinders right now. I think the Jets will keep that game close. Um I know the Jets lost by, I think, 10 the first time, but they've got a better quarterback now. They've got a more functional offense now. And Garrett Wilson is like what Keyshawn Johnson pretended to be. Like, just throw this kid the damn ball. Just put, <laughs> put the damn ball somewhere within arm's reach, and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to have more than a fighting chance to make a play. So there's a lot to feel good about with the Jets. Um, I, and that I just, loss, though, will sting because – Carl, I think they ran like twenty plays in the red zone. Like they were, they they were living in the red zone and just couldn't score, settling for field goals or couldn't convert on fourth down. Yeah, it's a great point. That defense, by the way, I'm just you look at the names on that defense and you start to realize, you know, Carl Lawson, Rankins, uh, C.J. Mosley, uh, Sauce Gardner, yeah. D.J. Reed. They got guys like yeah. they they got studs across that defense and. If you just get confident quarterback play, right? So I agree with you. That could have gone a different way if they scored two more touchdowns in the red zone with all the chances they had. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, guys, tell your friends. And again, new episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday. We go all around the NFL. We talk about the games and every aspect as we take you inside the huddle and inside the league. All right, I want to ask you about while we're talking about Minnesota. This is interesting to me. Nine of their 10 wins have been one-possession games. Does that bode well for them when they get into the playoffs because you've been in these games where we've won a lot of these. We can pull this out. Or does that say something else about, okay, maybe they've just been living on the edge and they're going to fall off once they get to the playoffs? Well, look, I mean, their scoring differential, their net touchdown differential – Points to a team that, you know, should be a game over 500 or a game under 500, not a team, you know, with what, the, the second best record of football or whatever it is. So, no, I think there's some luck. There's some variance, whatever you want to call it, that's going into this. Um, you know, the ball is odd-shaped. It bounces in weird ways. And it does, you know, sometimes you recover a fumble. Sometimes they recover a fumble. Like, I don't know that that's schemed up or that's necessarily – you know, a football play, right? It's 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 geometry and physics. So I think there'll be regression at some point. Like, yeah. you know, I think they're going they're going to lose a one score game or two between now and whenever their season ends. Uh, they're 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 a hard hard team for me to figure because usually if you look at a team that has that many wins and then the underlying metrics would say nah then there's something they're exceptional at right like 
you look at some of those Tennessee teams in years past and you look at the record and you look at some of these numbers to say it doesn't match, but then you have Derrick Henry go for 2,000 yards, right? And teams right. put eight, nine in the box and they still can't stop him. Like there would be something about that team, whether it was a pass rusher having a historically significant season or some element, some something anomalous to them that would make you say, okay, well, that closes the gap between what the numbers say they should be and their record. I don't know what that is for the Vikings. I don't think that exists for the Vikings. Like, it's not a great defense. It's not a great offense. You know, the quarterback's having a great season. The quarterback's yeah. not having a historically significant season. Like, what Jefferson's doing is freakish, but, like, is it that much more freakish than what an A.J. Brown or a Devontae Adams or, you know, a handful of other guys could do on any given Sunday? Like, I don't think it's enough for me to say I buy that they're who the records say they are not what all these underlying numbers say they are. So it's, it's it builds confidence for them. Like, it's not a bad thing in any way. But I, I think their luck will run out relatively soon in the playoffs. I, I don't think when they have to run the gauntlet in January, you know, that they're the team to do it. Although the Garoppolo injury is obviously huge, you know, and yeah, – and, and, yeah. Other injuries and, and other circumstances will will certainly uh, alter what that NFC playoff field looks like five weeks from now versus where it is now. But I, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are a great football team. I felt that they way. They have all a year. great record. They do. I felt that way all year. And people are like, oh, you're disrespecting the record. There's just something that just isn't clicking for me. And and listen, if, if I'm wrong, I'll own it. At the end sure. of the year, if they run the table and they win the Super Bowl, but with this record, you're gonna get home field. You're, you're, you know, you're gonna have some home playoff games. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get the Super Bowl. You you can't be in this position. It's like the Eagles now. You're playing you're playing for the bye to get some rest. Sure. And you're playing for home field throughout. You can't have a record like this at this point in the season and not think we're going. Um, I want to talk about San Francisco because you just mentioned the injury to Garoppolo. They beat the Dolphins 33-17. I thought Tua was sped up in this game. I thought he was he was yeah. pressured and rushed. Yeah. Rushed. He throws two picks. We hadn't seen that from Tua. No. Nope. Um, so it's not all on him. I, I just think the 49ers, and we've said this, Jason. I think uh, Baldy said it as well. Once they get healthy, this was going to be a defense to, to to have to deal with. But what, in your opinion, does this Jimmy G injury mean now? Because you know, I'm seeing all this re all these reports about Baker Mayfield. I don't buy that. If they're going to bring him in, I think that's a mistake where they're yeah. at. But I also don't know if if Brock Purdy can do it. But Jason, I was impressed with what he did last week. He came in. He wasn't afraid to make the throws. No. He played with a lot of confidence. Now, look, there. You know, he gets five gold stars. Like I, I'm not going to knock anything about what he did coming in under those circumstances with who he is and how they've had to like with the way they've had to juggle that quarterback thing, right? With building it for Lance and telling Jimmy G to stay away, and then Jimmy G comes back, and now we got to get him ramped up because. He's coming off surgery, and we didn't even want him in our facility for six months, right? Like, nobody's been worried about developing the Mr. Irrelevant. Like, that right. hasn't – you know, Kyle don't have time. Like, that's that hasn't even been on the dance card. Like, that's not on the bingo card anywhere. And now it's become priority number one. So, like, for this kid to do what he did under those circumstances is special. Now, saying that, teams not – now there's film on him, and now teams are going to spend all week preparing for him – and now he's going to go through the entire week not thinking, like, I want to be the best scout team quarterback in the world I can be, but thinking, man, they built a Super Bowl roster. 
Now I, I can't I can't bleep it up. Like now, like I just went from a guy who nobody remembered since they I was the last pick in the draft to like a guy who's the starting quarterback for a team that's Super Bowl or bust. So it's a different, it's gonna be a different weight on him, a different set of expectations. He's gonna get better preparation, but it it, you know, it this is the big leagues, and they will pick and pry and expose any wart there is. And there's definitely warts with Brock Purdy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been Mr. Irrelevant. So as the sample size expands, you know, they're gonna have to really like they gotta keep Trent Williams healthy. Yep. They're going to have to be an elite team running the football. Like the running game's been a little hit or miss for me. It's certainly by Kyle Shanahan standards. Like the outside zone's going to have to be humming. Like it's going to like it doesn't matter who the back is. We're just blocking it up so much that whoever hits that one, you know, plant and cutback is is positive yards. Um, and obviously the defense, you know, is is going to have to hold teams to, you know. High teens, low 20s, you know. I understand they scored 33 points in this game on Miami, but I don't think that's going to be the norm. And I'm with you on Baker Mayfield. Like, if they want to sign him on the practice squad and, like, have him there and bubble wrap and and, and, and practice him up a little bit, great. But, like, I remember when Kyle Shanahan traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo sat for, like, five weeks to learn the offense, right? They made that trade in midseason. Yeah. And – he wasn't like just, hey, this guy, we traded for him. We gave him two twos or whatever. Here you go. Like he sat for over a month absorbing that thing. Now, they were also still in rebuild mode there, right? They weren't in Super, Super Bowl, Bowl or bus mode. mode. Right. So that was a different luxury. But I do think it it says something about what he believes, Kyle believes, the importance of being completely mentally vested in that offense is. And I don't think Baker Mayfield walked in the door and knows that offense better than Brock Purdy. I don't know where Baker Mayfield's head is right now. Like, I get it. He's on the street. He's won games in this league. He's been to the playoffs. Like, you want to stash him on your roster, great. But right. my thinking on this is, having watched Kyle over the years, knowing people close to Kyle, I think Kyle has completely mind, body, and soul turned himself over into making Brock Purdy the best quarterback he can be, you know, uh, seven days a week. Here's what I know about Kyle. And I've known him a long time. He made Matt Schaub the leading passer in the NFL. Yeah. He made Matt Ryan an MVP. Now, yep. he doesn't have that kind of time because in those seasons, he worked fully, you know, the entire year with those guys. And, and But my point is, guys that may have been on the fringe and whether you thought they were good or not, he's made them look good. In this offense, he's made them better. So I believe what you're saying. Brock Purdy, over the next four or five weeks, does he get him ready for the playoffs and say, listen, this is what I need you to do? And, and, and I'll give you an example, Jason. When Matt won the, the, the MVP in the 16th season, going to the Super Bowl, one of the things he limited was, was interceptions. Matt had this tendency to throw, and you've seen yeah. it again. It's popped its ugly head back up. Dumb, silly interceptions, throwing across the middle, not seeing linebackers, taking chances. And Kyle would just say, throw it away. Throw it away. So he threw it away that year, and he didn't have those silly and stupid mistakes. And then he throws for 35 or 40, you know, 36 touchdowns. My point is, he's great at that. He's great at getting guys to buy into what, this is what I need you to do. And if yeah. it's not there, don't do it. And we'll move the football, we'll run, and we'll do all these things. They've got enough weapons to, to be in this thing. If Brock Purdy doesn't make mistakes, you can manage this and then maybe win some games with your defense. So 
I, I'm totally agree with you. And the, the Baker Mayfield thing, let's 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 hit on this just for one second. He's done. Okay. Why should I believe that a number one overall pick who had an opportunity in Cleveland, then gets an opportunity in Carolina, is all of a sudden now going to flip the switch and this is going to be perfect for him? Jason, I had a yeah. guy hit me up yesterday and he said, oh, those organizations are bad. So now quarterbacks have to be in a perfect situation to succeed? Let me tell you guys something. Cincinnati was a bad organization. And then they got a guy named Joe Burrow. Yeah. Okay. For historically, people have talked about how bad Cincinnati has been. So that's crap to me. I mean, this idea that you got to have a perfect situation for a guy to succeed, it doesn't happen in the NFL. So I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. I haven't. No. And now he's on the street, to your point. Maybe a team that says, hey, we want to see what he's got next year. You sign the guy. But if I'm San Francisco, I'm just not taking that chance. I, I don't need him to do this. No, and I'm not – picking him up off waivers. I'm waiting for him to clear. I'll get him at my price and I'll put him on my practice squad. Like that's, that's, that's it. what yeah. I would do. That That's what I think Kyle may do. And like, there is a part of Kyle's ego that loves this sort of challenge. Like, you know, <laughs> Brian, right. he was seven and five with Brian Hoyer in Cleveland one year. Like yes. Cleveland was like 12 games into a season. First, the AFC North before the bottom fell out. And, and, you know, Brian Hoyer was a starting quarterback. Now, he also thought C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins could play in the league, right, and had at least long-term backup, and in Mullins' case, starting potential. And so his evaluation, he, he doesn't about 1,000, not, not close to it. But these sort of challenges are right up his alley, and he will try to make Brock Purdy the best system quarterback he could be. And I think that's where his head is. And, and we'll find out if that's good enough, you know, a month from now to keep them in the mix the way we all thought they were in the mix before Jimmy G went down.